Thank you. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Great to be here with you all. Wonderful to spend time worshipping God together. Before I start speaking, I'm just going to pray. So if you'd like to join me, please do. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you're with us by your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would come and help me now as share from your word. That you would come, Holy Spirit, and give us revelation. I ask God that you would give us strength to comprehend your love the height and the depth and the breadth of your love. God, we, we need you. We need fresh revelation from you. And I ask that this morning, God, you would come by your Holy Spirit, that you would surprise us with a heart knowledge, not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, a heart experience of your amazing love for us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Great. So, Galatians. Galatians 5. So today, today's talk, we're going to be looking at love, cultivating love, God's love for us. I'm just going to start by reading from Galatians 5. So verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Okay, so this verse was written as a part of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And he started off the letter explaining a bit about himself, his background, the fact that he was a zealous Jew, passionate after things, but then how God came and revealed himself to him and how Paul's gospel is is a gospel that he had from revelation from Jesus. It's not a gospel he heard from anyone else, but it's a revelation, a gospel that he received from Jesus Christ himself. And um, and in, in later on in Galatians, I love this bit, in, in chapter 3, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected? By the flesh. And it goes on to say, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the flesh or by hearing with faith? And a lot of what I'm talking about today is, is come from an experience where God has revealed his love to me and, and given me revelation of his love. And that's not by something that I do, but by God's work, by work of the Holy Spirit. So to sum up, it's all about what I'm wanting to speak about is God's love and the fact that God's love is given to us freely. It's undeserved. It's God's grace. We can know God and we can know his love because of what he's done for us. And the reason I'm wanting to look at that is because we can't bear the fruit of love unless we've experienced love, unless we know what love is. And so it's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. When we experience God's love, we're able then to share it with others. And I think the saying that I've heard before is helpful. You, you need to know God's love to show God's love. You need to know God's love to show God's love. And that's my prayer for today, that the Holy Spirit will come and will meet with us, will give us fresh revelation of God's love for us, so that then enables us to share it with others. Okay, so, right. And, yes, yeah, so my prayer is that God brings fresh revelation to you for God's love for you. Yes, for your neighbour, 
but for you, God's love for you this morning. Um, so we're not going to look at ways, different ways in which we can love each other, which is obviously vitally important and is wonderful and great, but that's not my focus for this morning. This focus is, is um, looking at love. What is love and how do we bear the fruit of love? So there's two questions. What is love and how do we bear the fruit of love? So to see what love is, we need to look at God. The Bible says God is love. He is also perfect. God is self-sufficient. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He has no beginning and no end. He's perfect in holiness. Holiness means set apart. He's free from sin. He's perfect in holiness. He's also perfect in judgment. And he's perfect in love. The fact that God is perfect in judgment, how does that fit in with the fact that he's perfect in love? Well, God being perfect in judgment means that he can't leave our wrongdoings unpunished. We've all done things wrong at times. I know that I've spoken harshly and I've lacked self-control and I've done things with the wrong motive. We've all done things that sets us... (laughs) that separates us from God. We've all done things that are wrong. I know when I lose self-control with the kids and I raise my voice, rather than having that perfect patience that Hudson was speaking about last week, we've all done things. I've spoken harshly and lacks of control. And I know, I remember one time when I, I let my fear of a situation control the way that I spoke to someone. And I didn't act out of love, but rather I spoke harshly rather than showing perfect love. I wasn't loving that person. Or perhaps the times when we've not been bothered to um, get out of our comfort zones or when I've not given my time and energy to help someone when I could have done. We all fall short of living perfect lives. And because God is perfect in his holiness, we can't come to him because we've done things wrong. God's perfect holiness means that we, with our wrongdoings, can't come to him. Right, well... God is also, like I said, a perfect judge, and he wouldn't be a um, a very good judge if he let someone who's guilty go off unpunished. We deserve punishment, God's punishment, because of the things that we've done wrong. But God is also perfect in love and grace and mercy. There are two words in Ephesians that says, but God So there we are, dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, and the things that we've done wrong, the things that have separated us from God, far from God, but God, being rich in love, because being rich in mercy because of the love with which he loved us. Jesus has taken our punishment for us. He has borne God's wrath on himself, even though he'd done nothing wrong. How amazing is that? God, the one person who lived a life perfectly without having done anything wrong, should choose to take our wrongdoings upon himself. He's a perfect judge. Our wrongdoings have to be punished. But also, he is loving and he is kind. He's the only person ever to have lived who didn't deserve punishment, and yet he died to take our punishment upon himself. He took my abhorrent actions. He took my dreadful deeds. He took my thunderous thoughts. He took them upon himself. 
My punishment has been paid. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, so wonderful that we were singing about it this morning. His blood, he shed his blood for us. He died for us to take those punishments, to take the things that I've done wrong, all those things. He's taken them upon himself. The debt no longer stands. How amazing is that? The debt no longer stands. The things that I've done wrong, that debt's no longer there. Once you've paid a debt, you don't pay it again. You don't pay it twice. You don't buy a car and like, oh, you know what, I'll give you that however many thousands of pounds again. Once a debt is paid, it's paid. You don't need to pay it again. It's been paid. Jesus has paid the debt of our wrongdoings in full. It is paid. It is finished. How, when we sing that song, it is finished. Jesus said, it is finished. There's nothing that we can do to add to his, his actions, to what he's accomplished. God raised Jesus from the dead. Death couldn't hold him. God's love is a love that's out of this world. It's a love that took him to the cross. Perhaps the best, what most well-known verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. It's because of love. God's love is unconditional. It's amazing. Unconditional love is a love that's based purely on the giver. Unconditional love is unconditional because it's a love based purely on the giver, not the receiver. That's what makes it unconditional. It's the, and the, because God is perfect, he can love us perfectly. It's not because of what we've done, as if we could ever merit coming near to God. It's because of God's unconditional love. He is perfect. He's perfect in love. And he loves us perfectly. It has nothing to do with our efforts. Unconditional love, the world doesn't know what it is. The world asks, where is love? I think there should be a yeah, slide for this one. The world asks, where is love? We can say, here is love. The world asks, where is love? We can say, here is love. God's love for us is perfect because he is perfect. It has nothing to do with our efforts, Nothing. It has nothing to do with our attempts to draw close to him. And again, in Ephesians, it says, when we were dead in our sins. When you're dead, you can't ask for help. We were dead in our sins, but God chose to reveal himself to us. Sometimes we think that we need to add to God's saving work. I think that's the case of where I was at. I felt like I needed to do things for God to love me. I knew, I kind of knew that God loved me anyway, but there was still a part of me that wanted to do things for God's love. Sometimes we think we, can, we need to add to God's saving work. Maybe we try and commend ourselves to God. But this quote from Scott Larson and Larson I found helpful. They think it is noble to try to win their way to God and to heaven. But it is not noble. It is dreadfully ignoble. It is to deny, to deny both the nature of God and the mission of Christ. It is to refuse to let God be gracious. God is perfect in his grace. There's nothing that we can do. He loves us unconditionally, not because of anything that we've done. His love for us is unconditional. He loves us perfectly because he is perfect. 
He loves us. He is gracious to us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He is merciful. He is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve to be in relationship with him, but he's given us relationship with him. God's love is not determined or dependent upon us or what we can offer. I'm going to say that again. God's love for us is not determined or dependent upon us or what we can offer. I was separated from God. I was dead to God. I was without a hope. I didn't know God. I was far from God. There was nothing that I could do. I was in the domain of darkness. I was separated from God. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, sent Jesus. Jesus has made a way for me to come to him. He has made a way for you to come to him. He has drawn us close. We are now chosen by God. He has drawn us near. He has invited us to come to him. He has brought us near. He has paid the way. In Christ Jesus, we see God's perfect love, a love that meant Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born, Jesus. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God is perfect and he's perfect in love. When we look at Christ, we see God's love for us. God is love, and he has shown his love for us. We had, and still have, nothing to offer God. Nothing that would merit his favour. Nothing that would win his approval. We were so far from him, but he has brought us near. In Christ Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. We have been reconciled. He has brought us back into relationship with him. Something that previously seemed impossible through Jesus has been made possible. We've been reconciled. We've been invited. We've been drawn near. We are now sons of God. There is no way to improve on the cross. And again, this, this, well, this spoke to me, I think, because of my story, where I was in terms of trying to do things and not fully accepting God's grace until it, he came and revealed it to me. It's a quote from John Stott. The law says, do this. The gospel says, Christ has done it all. The law requires works of human achievement. The law requires works of human achievement. The gospel requires faith in Christ's achievement. The law demands and bids us obey. The gospel brings promises and bids us believe. The law makes demands and bids us obey. The gospel brings promises and bids us believe. Everything that we needed has been accomplished in Jesus. Everything that I needed for peace and love has been accomplished in Jesus because of God's love for me, because of God's love for you, because God loved us, because God, for God so loved the world, he sent his son. Okay. 
so, what is love? Looking at Christ crucified, we see that love is self-sacrificing. God didn't consider, Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He sacrificed himself. He left his majesty in heaven and came down to earth. He sacrificed. His love is self-sacrificing. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. This is what Christ did and did. This is what Christ did because of his love for us, because of his love for me, because of his love for you, because of his love for the people in Bedford and the whole world. God loves you. When we look at love, the fruit of the Spirit is love. When we look at Jesus, we see that that love is self-sacrificing. That love that didn't put himself first. A love that doesn't put oneself first, but looks to the needs of others. Okay, so, second thing I wanted to look at is how do we bear the fruit of love? Jesus says in John, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself... Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We've been on holiday this week in Suffolk. We went to a vineyard. This is a branch from a grapevine. And, um, yeah, I'm going to ask, what fruit will this branch bear? None. This branch, although it's a grapevine, is separated from the vine. My helpful assistant... This is a grapevine. What fruit will these branches bear? Grapes. Grapes. Because of... (laughs) Why? Thank you, Steve. That's great. Those branches will hopefully bear grapes because they're attached to the vine. This branch is separated from the vine. It's not going to bear any fruit. If I was to bring this back next week, it would probably be shriveled and the the leaves will be brown. It's not in the vine. It's not going to to bear fruit. Okay. So, I'm just going to read this bit here. I'm not going to spend time here talking about all the ways you can show love to others, about, you know, how do we bear the fruit of love? Because my heart for today is to remind ourselves what love truly is by looking at the gospel, seeing what Jesus has done for us. That's what love is. The only way to get a true understanding of love is to, to meditate on God's love. Nothing compares to it. This is the kind of love that Paul's talking about when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love. He's talking about a love that mirrors Christ's love. Not a love that the world talks about, a love on feelings, or, oh, I love this one minute and I love this the next minute. A love that's unconditional, a love that loves unconditionally. The only way we can love Yeah, and this is the kind of love that Paul's talking about, a love that goes beyond oneself, a love that loves regardless of what is given in return, a love that thinks of others' needs above its own. The only way we can love like this is when Christ is abiding in us and we are abiding in him. So to read those verses from John again, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So it has to come first, our relationship with God. Jesus living in us, that's how we bear fruit. That's how we bear the fruit of love. It's when we are cultivating that relationship with Jesus. 
We are appreciating what he has done for us. We are allowing him, you know, in Galatians where I read, walk in step with the spirit. That's how we do it on a day-to-day basis. In Jesus, we have new life. Our life is in him. We are those branches attached to the vine when our life is in Jesus. Our life is in him. Our standing before God is in Jesus Christ. All we have to do is abide in him. How do we bear the fruit of love? We abide in Jesus and we walk by the Spirit. How do we abide in Jesus if Jesus is in heaven? By the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit living in us, walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We are in relationship with Father God through the Holy Spirit by what Jesus has done on the cross. Abba, Father, God is inviting us this morning to abide with him. God is inviting you this morning to abide with him. Let's cultivate our relationship with Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Let's enjoy spending time with him in prayer and praise as we meet with one another. As we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. It's not a case of, oh, I must bear fruit, I must bear fruit. It will come. It will come. As we abide in Jesus, fruit will be born. Fruit doesn't grow overnight. It's a gradual process. I bought that grapevine yesterday. It hasn't got any grapes on it at the moment. It will happen. It's going to happen slowly. If I bring it back next week, it's still not going to have a perfectly ripe bunch of grapes. Fruit happens slowly. Be patient, like Hudson was saying last week. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are, as John Stott says, natural produce that appears in the lives of spirit-led Christians. So it's almost a case of don't try and think, oh, I must bear fruit, I must bear fruit. It will come. Fruit will be born. That grapevine is not thinking, I must bear grapes, I must bear grapes, I must bear grapes. It's a grapevine. That's what's going to happen. It's going to bear grapes. That's what will happen. It's natural produce. I've been blessed by the natural produce of Christian lives in Woodside Church. As many of you know, I've been, well, a number of years ago in particular, I was really struggling and been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and my joints were painful. Just to move was hard work and tiring. People set up a meal rotor for me, provided me with meals for a week when the children were young so I didn't have to worry about cooking as well as looking after the children and everything else, being poorly. That blessed me. And what blessed me even more was about a month later, one of those ladies then bought me another meal. <laughs> not not part, as part of the rota, but just out of her serving. You know, she was giving of her time, her energy, her food to bless me. That was a natural produce of love in her life. I've been blessed. Okay. For you were called to freedom, brothers, and you do not use your freedom as an opportunity to satisfy the flesh. Do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. That's what she was doing. That produce of love, of her spirit-led life, was blessing me. So this morning, I'm not saying to you, do this or do that. What I'm saying this morning is God loves you. And he's inviting you to abide with him. Fruit will be born as a result. He is inviting you this morning. If you don't yet know Jesus, he's saying, come to me. Abide in me. I love you perfectly. My love is unconditional. If you know Jesus already, abide in me. Dwell with me. Live with me. Walk in step with me, says the Holy Spirit.
I love spending time with our children. And as they spend time with me, they become more like me, which is encouraging when I see them being kind to others or speaking kindly. Not so encouraging when they obviously raise their voice. But when we spend time with people, we become more like them. And that's the same with us. As we spend time with Jesus, we become more like him. It's the natural produce. The natural produce of the grapevine is grapes. The natural produce of spirit-led lives is love. God is inviting us this morning to draw closer to him. We were made to be in relationship with him and to know his love for us. He's giving us an invitation. Would you like to come and abide with me? Do you want to know my love afresh? If you want to bear the fruit of love, the first thing you need to... First, you need to know what love is, but that's secondary. Don't worry about that. First, come to me. Let me show you what love is. Let me show you the extent of my love for you. I love you. Nothing will change that. Nothing can separate you from my love. So I'd like to end by praying. If you'd like to stand... I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Father God, we thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we thank you for fellowship with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for humbling yourself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Father God, we thank you that you loved us, loved the world so much that you sent your only son to die for us. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now, that you would do a work in our hearts. We say we want to abide with you. We want to walk in step with you, Holy Spirit. Would you come and fill us up? Would you come and fill us afresh? Yes, Lord. Would you come and give us fresh revelation of your love for us, God? Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. We love you. We're so grateful for what you've done for us. God, I thank you that when I was far away, you brought me near. I thank you that you did that while I was still dead in my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank, Thank you, Lord. God. Thank you, Lord. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.